When I was 19, I was naive. At 19, I was strong. I was able to take care of myself. I was able to walk all day through the desert. I was able to go without sleep and without food. When I was 19, I had been alone, a bum, for two years. My one time in jail had been in El Paso in the county drunk tank. When they let me out, I decided to walk east and not try to catch a ride. I had no food and no money. That's how I was, though, and there I was, walking into the desert summertime. I walked along the Rio Grande, through farmland and wasteland. There were fish in the river. Yucca grew in clumps. I stole onions from the planted fields. I drank the muddy river water. I swam in it. I watched it as it flowed by. Sometimes the lights from my fires would shine across the river over to Mexico, and sometimes light from other fires would shine across to me. I would shout then, Hello! and a shout would almost always come back. It was a good time. At the farms, no one noticed me. I passed by slowly, watching workers bending and swaying in the sun. I passed by cotton and onions. I passed by hay and beans. I climbed fences. I waved to men who wore straw hats. I stood still in the cool spray of irrigation sprinklers, listening to the of metal and water. In the long stretches between the farms, there was little besides sagebrush and red stone. The ground was hard and my feet bruised. Beneath the blue of the sky, the color of the desert turned to dust. Heat waves moved the air, and my eyes became dry and sore. I stopped and I swam often, I wasn't in a rush. I don't know how far or for how long I would have walked if I hadn't met Mr. George. Probably I would have walked until my boots wore out or until somebody else came along and got me drunk. <laughs> Even in the desert, there are people who carry bottles and make sure no one goes too long without a drink. He came out from the dark carrying a shotgun. I had been nearly asleep watching the last embers of my fire die when I heard the soft, low sounds of a man walking. He wanted to know who was on his land. It was his land and his responsibility to look after it. Right off, he broke open the shotgun and he put the shell in his breast pocket. It was all right I was there. Bums didn't bother him, he said, as long as they closed gates behind themselves and watched their fires. I got up from my blankets and put more wood on the fire, sappy limbs of mesquite that sputtered as they burnt. Mr. George sat down on the ground next to me then, and both of us watched the fire. He had a full bottle with him, and he broke that open too. He asked, You've really walked from El Paso? Yeah, I answered. Has it taken you a long time? I don't know, I said, laughing, holding the fifth of whiskey between my face and the fire, 
making the flames become amber spirits. I was trying to dry out. He reached, and he took the bottle from me, and he said, I didn't mean to interfere with your plans, but I took the bottle back from him, and I took a drink, and I felt the burn warm way down into my gut. And I said, you can't interfere with somebody if they really just don't care. We didn't finish the bottle, but we both got drunk. Mr. George, as he had first introduced himself, putting out his rough hand while the others had still held the shotgun, wanted me to come and work for him. I told him that I didn't work, that I was a bum. He told me that I was a liar, that if I could walk 150 miles through the desert, I was no bum. I'm lazy, though, I said. Like hell, he said. And I'm worthless. We're all worthless, he said. How much would you pay me, I asked him. Now, there you go. How about $30 a day? That's not enough. And three good meals. (sighs) Okay, okay, let me sleep on it. We kept talking. We talked for two hours. The stars moved and the moon rose and we let the fire die. Mr. George was having trouble with his wife, trouble with his workers, trouble with the weather. His ranch was large, inherited, and his troubles were complicated. He told me that he was 40 years old and had always thought that as you grew older, you grew happier. That's what I've heard too, I told him. Well, it's not so, he said. We're both young, he said to me. I'm not really older than you. What I know now, you'll know soon. I slept that night next to the river for the last time. I was too drunk to go the short mile with Mr. George back to the ranch. See you in the morning, George, I said, and I rolled back into my blankets. I hope so, he answered. And then he was gone, walking away from the river with his shotgun and the near-empty bottle. At dawn, I woke and I swam. Shivering while I dressed, I decided to go work, more for the food than the money. I needed a job. My body looked like it was all ribs. His ranch was 4,000 acres of desert. He raised cattle, scrawny animals that looked as dry as the land, and he grew alfalfa, beans, and some cotton in the irrigated fields. I was put to work on the fences. I worked with another ranch hand, stringing the barbed wire in places where it was loose or missing, and straightening leaning fence posts. There were miles of fences on Mr. George's ranch. Fence that kept the cattle away from the fields and the river, fence along the dirt roads, and fence that just crossed and recrossed the land for no reason. On the morning of my fourth day on the ranch, Mr. George told me that the other ranch hand had quit, and he said, I guess I'll have to help you. Mr. George talked, and so did I. The old man built this place. Mr. George said as he drove, and he put up all of this fence. He waved out the window. I don't know why, but as long as I'm able, I'll just keep fixing it. He stopped his truck next to a place where the wire, rusted and tangled, lay on the ground. No cattle in sight, not even old turds, and no reason to repair the fence, but we did. And I thought, what the hell, I'm being paid. 
I'm eating. I don't mind this. He had a bad wife, Mr. George did. She kept leaving him, and then she kept coming back. Each time she left, he hoped that she would stay away, but she always came back. She blames me. That's the rotten part. She blames me, he said. You should just leave her. You ever been in love, he asked. No. Well, it could happen. It's something that happens to people like you. I can tell, he said. It doesn't matter about me. You should leave her. I can't. And where to? I've got this ranch. I've got these fences. I can't tell her to stay away. She had a lover in Marfa, the nearest town. Mr. George knew all about him, though she didn't know that he knew. How did you find out, I asked. It wasn't hard, he said. She was tired of the desert, tired of the smell of manure and alfalfa. I saw her, beautiful, tall, her cheekbones high and bold, her face lovely. She talked to me once, in front of the bunkhouse. She was wearing a long dress. I, I can't remember what color. She told me her husband liked me, that I had a job for as long as I wanted. She called me Walker. <laughs> Walker, yeah. And she made me blush. On a Sunday, Mr. George drove to Marfa, and I went with him. We got drunk, but it wasn't like the night we met. It was a bitter drunk, with bar smoke and bar mirrors and stale, stinking air. I'm going to kill him, Mr. George said. You better not. I know, but I'm going to kill him. He didn't deserve what she did to him. He was a good man. It was her lies that broke him. Mr. George was strong enough to have dealt with everything else. On the fence lines, he told me how he waited for her every time she left. He knew where she went and would imagine what she was doing, and it would make him ill. He wouldn't be able to sleep. He wouldn't eat. She would leave him for days at a time, and then, when she did come back, she would tell him that she had been visiting friends. She would say that she just had to take off. She would say that she was going mad, that she needed the privacy of her own life. She would say, I hate all these fences. <sighs> Mr. George sighed. I asked her once, he said, at the beginning of it, straight out, almost a year ago, I asked her if she was sleeping with somebody else. I already knew she was. Mr. George was sweating. Rivlets ran down his temples, and his hat was stained dark. She looked right at me. He put down the spool of wire. She looked right at me, her big eyes, and said, Don't insult me. It's you I love. I would never sleep with anybody else. Damn it all! Why does she lie? Why does she keep coming back to me, too? Why? I couldn't answer him then. I wouldn't be able to now. He was right, though. The years have brought me love, and the years have taken love from me, and I still do not know what any answer is. She had blamed him for squeezing her, for keeping her in Texas, for trapping her in his way of life. 
I guess she wants more than I could ever give her, Mr. George said, smiling, even laughing a bit. I think that maybe what I should do is just walk away from here, leave you and her and the ranch. What do you say? Do you think you could make her happy? I laughed, wiping sweat off my face, thinking of walking again, of the silence of the desert, of a place where the only love is just a dream, as far away and as constant as the moon. Mr. George was sentenced to 20 years. I had to go to the trial and tell them that he had been drunk and nearly mad. The defense lawyer asked if Mr. George had acted out of passion. I said, yes, he had. The judge agreed and called it a crime of passion, but said, 20 years in a passionless voice. I didn't tell him how I had tried to stop him or how Mr. George had hit me. I didn't tell him how hard he had hit me and how he had knocked me sprawling across the ground. I wish I had gotten up faster. He could have hit me again. I was strong when I was 19, and I didn't know a thing. You've just listened to Walker, a Montana voice podcast. Words and music by Steve Saroff.